Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 1st of December 2013, entitled Treasures of the Snow. And the Bible reading is taken from Job chapter 38, verse 22. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Very good morning to you all. If you'd like to turn to the book of Job. <clears throat> Job chapter 38. And uh, we're going to follow the theme, treasures of the snow, or treasures in the snow. And it's only one verse, if you'd like to uh, stand in honor of reading God's word. Verse 22, Job says, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? Okay, please be seated. I don't know if anyone here has seen any of that white stuff yet. Maybe you've been on your travels somewhere. I've not seen it in Erdinson yet. Um, I don't think it's been in Jamaica yet, has it, Gar uh, Garcia? No, not yet. <laughs> Be a few years probably until that happens. Um, anybody seen any snow? No? Nobody? I think if Malcolm was here, he might have seen some up in Scotland somewhere. Um, but the theme this morning is about snow. And um, I wondered, do you know that the Bible has quite a lot to say about snow? Um, I'm not um, looking forward to it for driving in, but I like to look at snow. And, you know, snow reminds me of uh, quite a, a lot of things. Um, but snow is actually mentioned in the Bible 25 times. It's actually mentioned in the book of Job five times. And there is no book in the Bible where it's mentioned more times than in the book of Job. Why that is, I don't know. Maybe he lived in the north um, of a country somewhere, and maybe um, he knew all about snow. But um, God uses the snow to bring us a lesson or truth of some sort. And um, that's what we want to get at this morning. Um, Job, he asks a question in verse 22. He says, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? So there is some hidden value, there is something there that we can get out of the snow that will help us as Christians. And um, what treasures, what lesson can we, uh, can we learn from the snow? Well, I want us to briefly look at three this morning. The first one is, is that snow is the symbol of the impossibility of man to cleanse himself from sin. Let's just turn to Job chapter 9. Snow is the symbol of the impossibility of man to cleanse himself from sin. Now, man may not like that, but we're going to see what the Word of God says about um, cleansing, how we get cleansed from our sins, and the impossibility um, of, of, um, of man to cleanse himself. Chapter 9 of Job and verse 28. Job 9 and verse 28. And um, here Job um, is speaking um, to the Lord and he's saying, I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. 
You know, snow, um, snow water is good for washing some things. I don't know if you've ever tried to wash your hands in the snow sometimes. Um, you know, there's been times where I've been working, um, especially in my last job, because I've not seen, seen snow yet in this new job. But, um, you know, when you get dirty, you, your hands get dirty. Um, sometimes it's a good idea just to pick up a bit of snow and uh, just roll it in your hands, you know. Your hands are going to be cold and wet, but it usually cleans them a bit. Um, so snow is good for cleaning some things. Um, maybe good for cleaning your shoes as well, getting some of the dirt off them. Um, what did the hymn writer say? He says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're going to sing that hymn in a few moments. Um, not so long ago, uh, we asked some of the children uh, in the Bible club how to get to heaven. And um, we're just going through uh, creation at the moment. And we're on the second day, and we're thinking about the firmament. And uh, we're thinking about the free heavens, uh, about the sky, about space, and also about where God dwells, where he wants us to go one day. And um, we were asking the children, how do you get to heaven? And uh, one of the young uh, children said, well, we live a good life. We do good things. We're good people. That's how we get to heaven. Well, that sounds right, doesn't it? It sounds... Um, It sounds as though that's what the answer should be. If we're good people, we do good things in our lives, good deeds to people. We never murder anybody. We never, you know, do anything really bad. That God will accept us into heaven. And, uh, you know, that might seem um, an applicable answer for most people today. Isn't it like all religions today? You know, all Religions accept Bible-believing Christianity teaches that you can cleanse yourself and make your own way to heaven by yourself. That's what they all teach. Whether they're cults, whether they're big main religions, it's what you can do to get yourself into, into heaven, into the glory. Um, I wonder what about you this morning? If I was to ask you personally, by yourself, how do you get to heaven? What would you say? Would you say, as one of those young children said, it depends upon being a good person. You know that if man could wash away his own sin, then the cross would be absolutely useless. Jesus would never have had to die on the cross. If I could do something for myself, if I could try and earn my salvation, that would mean that the cross that Jesus died upon at Calvary was a waste of time. Let's just turn to, uh, just keep your, your hands in Job. But let's just turn to Titus chapter 3. <clears throat> and let's see what God says in his word about our righteousness Verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us 
abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It all depends upon what Jesus Christ has done for us to get us into heaven. Oh, yeah, we have to accept his offer of salvation. He died for the sins of the world. He died for you and for me. But unless we accept that free gift, we'll never get into heaven. We'll never obtain salvation. But Paul says here, it's not works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. His grace, his mercy. Everything that's needed to get us into heaven was done on the cross. Jesus Christ did it all. Wonderful. Let's just turn back to Job 9, and let's just read again uh, verse 29 and verse 30. Job says that if I be wicked, you know, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Job says, if I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? You know, Job could have tried to have done many, many things to try to get his sins forgiven. He says, if I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, verse 31, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. So Job here is just saying that there is no other way. Even if he tries to wash himself with snow water, tries to make himself clean as white as snow, he's still going to be in the ditch. And you know, it's like that with us this morning. All our labor is in vain, if that's what we're trusting in to get us into heaven. If we're not a Christian here this morning, we're still in that ditch of sin. And there's only one person that can get us out, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's the only one who's never sinned. He's never been in that ditch. But we're in there. And if we've never had our sins forgiven, we'll never get out of it. I wonder this morning, are you in the ditch of sin this morning? You need to get out. And you need to look to Jesus. He's the only way of salvation. Nothing that you can do in yourself. So snow, first of all, is the symbol of the impossibility of man to cleanse himself from sin. Secondly, snow is the symbol of the believer who has been cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this on a, a nice, bright, cloudless day, and you've looked at the snow, maybe without any sunglasses on, and you know that snow, that white snow, it's so dazzling, isn't it? It's dazzling white. Sometimes you can't even look at it because it's so white. But you know, it's not as white as the sins of the believer whose sins have been forgiven in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let's just turn to a wonderful verse, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah 1, and we'll take it up from verse 16. And um, God says here, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, 
relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. In verse 18, he says, come now. See, he's inviting his people and he's saying, come. When? Right now. And he says, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It says, I wrote down here last night, that that word scarlet that we see in verse 18, it says, though your sins be as scarlet. The word scarlet here refers to a deep dye obtained from a small worm found on the leaves of an oak in the Mediterranean countries. Uh, the Hebrew word shana, from which scarlet is derived, means double or duplicate. And the idea is that those who will confess their sins, they will become as white as snow. Um, do you know that our sins are as deep as the dye of this worm that God is talking about in the Bible? You know that if one sin entered into heaven, then it wouldn't be heaven anymore. God says in Habakkuk 1 verse 13, he says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. That's how abhorrent sin is to God. No one sin can ever enter into his presence. And the way of cleansing is through the blood of Jesus. Um, let's just turn to 1 John chapter 1. And verse 9, this is one of uh, Peter's favorite verses. And uh, he often calls this um, the spiritual sandwich. And we have verses 7, 8, and 9. But let's just um, have a look at verse 9. John says here, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice at the beginning of that verse, there is an if. If we confess our sins, there is a responsibility upon us to come. He's inviting us. And he's saying that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful invitation that is this morning. Whatever we may have done, wherever we may be, he gives that invitation to you and to me. And he says that if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us, he'll cleanse us. Wonderful. Verse 7 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from how much sin? All sin. You may be asking here this morning, is there a possibility of a sin that God will never forgive? No. There is no sin big enough that God cannot forgive. God can, God can, God can forgive the greatest sins because of the blood of Jesus. What sin is there that we may have done that Christ's blood can't cleanse? There is nothing. 
The Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Wonderful. So firstly, snow is a symbol of impossibility of man to cleanse himself from sin. It's also the symbol of the believer who has been cleansed in the blood. And it's second, thirdly, it's the symbol of the power and the fruitfulness of the word of God. Let's have a look at Isaiah again. Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> and we're just going to have a look at verses 8 through to verse 11. And um, this was not the message that I was going to bring at the start of the week. I had a verse of scripture and it was down here in um, verse 11. And this is really the verse that I was going to hopefully preach on this morning. But uh, last night, as I, um, as I was reading uh, about the snow and things, um, I thought, yeah, this is, this is the direction God wants us to go in. But it also included that verse as well, verse 11. Well, let's just read from verse 8. And um, let's just think for a few moments that snow is the symbol of the power and the fruitfulness of the word of God. Verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Notice in verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. We have here a precious promise from God about the word that comes out of his mouth. You know that when snow falls uh, and it vanishes away, because sometimes snow does disappear very quickly, doesn't it? You know, sometimes snow, if it's very cold, it may linger maybe a few weeks, and if it's very cold, maybe months. Um, but, you know, most times snow will be here maybe for a few hours, and it will just vanish away. And we might think, well, what's the point of all that? What's the point of all that snow coming down, you know, making everything beautifully white, and then in a few moments it's just gone, it vanishes away. And we may think, well, what's the purpose um, of that snow? Well, let's just have a look in verse 10. It says here that it waters the earth. What does water bring? Well, it brings life, doesn't it? It also gives seed to the sower, and it also provides bread to the one who eats it. Well, snow is important, and it may just be here for a short time, and it may vanish away, but just because it's gone away doesn't mean that it's not working anymore. That water is going into the earth, and it's creating life, and it's helping to sustain things. But when we just look at snow as snow, we may just think, well, what's the point of it all? What's the purpose? Here for a moment, and then it just vanishes away. Well, there's more to it than that. Well, let's just think about the Word of God, because we may think sometimes that's the same with the Word of God that's been preached. How many times have we preached in the care homes? 
and we see little fruit? How many times have we spent maybe hours talking to a lost person, a lost relative? We're trying to show them the way. We're trying to show them how to get saved. And we see such little fruit. And we think, what was the point of it all? What was the point of all that energy and all that prayer going into it? You know, the word of God has gone forth, but we don't see anything. You know, sometimes when we do evangelism, when we go to the rest homes, and you know, sometimes it can be discouraging sometimes if you're just looking at it at face value. Because you don't see great fruit. You don't see lots of people getting saved. It may be like, that with a lost relative that we've been trying for a long time, we've been praying for them and we've been trying to share the Bible, share the gospel with them and we see such little fruit and we think, what's the point? Why? What about Sunday school? What about all those Bible clubs that we've had, all the children that we've had in the Sunday school down the years? We've seen them come and we've seen them pass through and we've seen them go away. And maybe we've never seen them for years and years. Maybe if we saw them coming through those doors today, we wouldn't even recognize them. They'd be adults. They'd probably have their own children and got their own house and working. And we might think, wow, what's the point of it all? What's the point of all that? And we saw so little fruit from that, those, some of those children. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that just like that snow that falls down into the ground and it's only here for a short time, it just vanishes away. Don't think and don't believe that that's just it with the word of God because just like that snow, that water has gone into the ground, it's bringing life and it's going to accomplish some good things. You know, I often um, think about my testimony tract, which I, I wrote down and I got it printed in 2007 and I must have given hundreds of them out and I've seen so little fruit and you know if I was just to look at the outward appearance I would think what was the point of it all you know but I keep going because I know that there is a purpose and I just want us to see in verse 11 here because God says so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth just like this snow that has come down and watered the earth, you may think it's here for a short time, but there is some value in it. And he says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. God's word will accomplish what he pleases. It will. Have confidence in the word of God. You may let this, the message of this Bible, you may speak it out to people and you may see so little fruit right now. But just hold, hold on to that promise that God has given. Isaiah 55 verse 11. Let's just read it again. He says, it shall not return unto me void, empty, it's basically saying, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. It's going to prosper. It's going to do some good. And it's going to accomplish what God wants it, what, what God wants it to. So let that be an encouragement to you. 
you've been witnessing, trying to share the faith with people, and there doesn't seem to be so little fruit, just hold on to that promise that God has given in Isaiah 55, verse 11, that his word will prosper and it will accomplish what he pleases it to do. You know, the Bible says, Romans 10, verse 17, so, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's be those that don't get discouraged. Let's just continue. Let's continue sowing the word. Let's just believe God. Let's believe his promises in here that it will accomplish what he pleases it to do. You know, sometimes you may be up against philosophy. You may be up against people with great arguments. Just preach the word. Speak the word. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Don't get despondent if, um, you know, somebody's not listening or you don't see much fruit. Just preach it. Just tell them the truth what's in God's word, and just rely upon the word. Rely upon God. Doesn't he say in the Bible that, um, that he causes um, one to sow, another to water, but God, he giveth the increase. He's the one who brings to life, and he will. It's got to be from God, or else there will be no life. Concluding thought this morning, that the next time that we see snow, think of it, think of the wonderful lessons that God has given to us and let them be a blessing to your life. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the precious word of God this morning. We thank you for, Lord, the encouragement that you bring to us. We thank you, dear Lord, that, um, that there is nothing except the blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse us from our sins. If there is one here this morning, dear Lord, who's never had their sin forgiven, we just pray that they may call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. It's as simple as that. And we thank you this morning for the word of God. We thank you, dear Lord, that there is power in your word. We thank you that the Apostle Paul said that he was not ashamed because it is the power of God unto salvation. And Lord, help us to keep that in our thoughts and our memories. Lord, when we try to witness to people who may not seem to listen, may not seem to take it in, but will, Lord, just trust you with the word, trust you to bring about that life. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.